You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and join with me in the relentless pursuit of what you want most in life. In this episode, number 104, so seems so weird to say that 100 number, but we are here. We have another episode of Hump Day Business Report. If you missed last week, this is where I go over some different news in the business world that actually applies to us and that actually matters. We don't want to just go over uh, just like stupid drama and all of that and it's like, Oh, all that stuff. I want to go over interesting things that I found that you probably haven't heard yet that actually matter and we can actually use in our own life because I'm just so sick of the news. <laughs> I don't listen to it. I don't like I honestly don't look at any news because it's just so depressing and tired and anxiety driven. I'm just like, no, no, I'm tired of it. So that's why I started something to kind of remedy it just a little bit. And we have some very exciting and interesting, informative and thoughtful news stories um, today, as well as in this piece of random, almost unbelievable news, what the actual best city it is, um, the most almost like affordable um, city to make a living, which is really which which might surprise you. (laughs) Look at me. I'm putting on my news news anchor hat. But first, um, this is going to be heavily driven by Gallup because Gallup came out with a new set of research and stuff, which I love. I get their emails. I think like, is it once a month? I don't actually don't know when they send out their new stuff, but it's always interesting and thoughtful and like, and just, and it's, it's just, it's always very interesting what they put out because it's rare and they put a lot of great work into it, which is why I like it other than other certain companies which just plug out whatever <clears throat> business insider um and just just for the sake of clickbait and putting content out there but so we're going to go through some of the things that they put out not all of them because um some of them just didn't really apply but the first thing uh, the first one is titled feedback is not enough and it was it was an interesting reading and what really got me and why I want to start off with this because it's a little bit quicker our main story you know will be a little we'll spend a little more time with I want to get this off first though is we're talking about feedback talking about feedback and conversations in the workplace and the headline that stuck out to me in this is great managers lead great conversations and I was thinking about this I was immediately taken back to my time with my former boss, Stephen Flemings, which I had on the podcast, which you can go back and look at. He was episode, oh boy, 99. He was episode 99, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so, um, if I'm getting that right, because he was right before episode 100. And I was just thinking about like all the conversations we had and just getting, first of all, just building that relationship as people, not necessarily just as a boss and his employee. And for me, that was just so valuable because not only did I learn a lot from that, from that role, from that job that I had, as I said in that episode, but it forged this friendship that just kept going and it kept benefiting us both. I mean, I did some work for them afterwards and, you know, there's just, it was just something that was so valuable and I value so much that this immediately just hit me with a burst of nostalgia and and I was thinking about, okay, how can it apply to all of you, you know, all of you guys who listen to this and women, you know, uh, who listen to this. 
And I was just thinking about the value of conversations and the value of leading conversations. And for me, I've discovered that podcasting in a weird way has actually helped me so much with meeting new people because especially with interviewing people, you have to you have a limited amount of time to ask the best questions possible, to get the best responses possible. And you might not think about it, you might think of, of interviews, you know, people um hosts, TV hosts, there's oh, they're just there as an as a person to to like a, a bounce board for the actual real celebrity. But if I mean, depending on how many writers they have and all this stuff, of course, there's so much that goes into this. But like when I interview people, it's just me. I'm, I'm researching them. I'm trying to come up with questions. I'm trying to figure out, OK, what's their expertise and how can we best display this expertise to you? And in doing that, I've discovered such a great skill in meeting someone new and asking them questions about themselves and building that relationship. And I encourage you, if you have if you are currently working in a workplace, which is most likely or maybe you're in school, or maybe you are owning your own business and going out in the world, which is great. Whatever it is, I encourage you this week to strike up conversations and to think about what questions can I ask people to get an interesting answer. I'll see this, um, especially um, when looking at, of course, browsing Reddit and looking at Tinder convos. Um, I love seeing the very original, interesting questions people ask. And I go, oh, that's actually something I could use. Um, it's something, you know, just fresh, exciting. It leads to an answer that someone has to think about. And I think coming into that, um, we're talking about great conversations about getting feedback is to ask people questions that they really haven't been asked before. To ask people questions that will let them, I'll give them a pause and go, actually, and then to give a great response. I know when I'm the worst, the worst question, the worst answers I have are answers to questions that I'm asked all the time. And, and, and also, I mean, it depends on the setting. If I'm speaking, then, of course, that's those are the best questions because I have a good response already ready. So I'm giving the most value to someone in the shortest amount of time. But the most interesting questions, um, come, the most interesting answers, I should say come about when I'm asked a question I've never been asked. Um, for example, it's in my, what is it in my bio anymore? It used to be, it used to be the first line of my bio, which was um, a question I was asked at a high school and someone just raised their hand and I said, yeah, you know, I was ready, I was ready. And they say, um, what do you wanna be? And I went, oh, oh, that's actually, actually, surprisingly, no one has asked me that. Most people say like, oh, you're doing this, you're speaking. No one's really asked me what I want to be. And it gave me a pause and I just kind of looked around and and the room was a little bit buzzing. Like, oh, this is actually interesting. Like, this is different from all the questions that have been that people have been asking. And I just kind of raised my hand with that and I just go, public speaker, and everyone's like start cheering. It was a great moment. It was, a, it was an awesome, awesome moment um, that I can't help but smile thinking about. For, also, because that was a great, energetic, dynamic crowd of kids, which was which was also also just great but conversations so that's just a big thing that i want you to kind of think about is the conversations you have with people and even people close to you you know conversations you have are they just kind of normal are they kind of maybe a little boring sometimes i'll ask myself if i was in a tv show right now would people want to watch Especially when I'm feeling that the conversation really isn't going anywhere or I'm hanging out with a friend 
and the conversation kind of dies, especially someone maybe I don't know very well, is I'll ask myself, would, would huh? Would so, would it would someone be actually want to watch this conversation? Would they find it interesting? And if not, then I'm like, okay, this person probably doesn't find it interesting either. And so I'll reinvigorate the conversation with some kind of question I think is interesting, is different, is exciting. Or trying to get a story out of somebody, you know, those different those different thought processes you can definitely have with this kind uh, of, of just idea, this mindset twist of what conversations am I having of thinking about a conversation afterwards, not in like an anxiety driven <laughs> fueled, just like, oh, I said this and I did this and I did that. Oh, no. But thinking about like, was that was that interesting? Was that different? Did I learn something? Did either of us take away anything? Or was it just basically like, oh, how's the weather? And I'm going to leave you with that because I can kind of babble on for a while and I don't want to babble um, forever about this. But I mean, all of that just came from that one headline, me just thinking about, yeah, what conversations do I have? Like, that's really interesting. And that's why I think um, Clara, who will be back on the podcast in just a little bit in a couple of weeks, um, thankfully, we get, we missed a month of her. Um, I think that's one reason why we're such good friends is that our conversations always, always get to the realm of just like <laughs> impossibility, fanaticism, or or co- competitiveness, where we start arguing over like who's the best at or who's the worst at the stupidest kinds of things. And so, you know, that those kinds of things is like just it reinvigorates the relationship, even though there's nothing like it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship to be reinvigorated. I'm gonna leave you with that. Um, the main story today, um, which uh, actually, sorry, not the, <laughs> two of the main stories. I have, t- I have two main stories actually today, which I, I don't know how I forgot the title of this episode. Um, is um, The headline is how to encourage differing opinions, not conformity. Again, this is from Gallup from different research that they've done. Um, and I think and I, this stuck out to me because, I mean, there's been drama going around lately. There's been politics, like things political going around lately. And one thing I've seen over and over again is people is people re regressing to their safety net, the group of people who agree with them so they can shout something and everyone cheers. And I was recently watching, um, I was just actually this morning, yeah, this morning, uh, Wanda Sykes has a new special on Netflix. And I was like, great, you know, she's awesome. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll watch her. And I started to watch it and it just became that. And I don't care about the politics. Like I don't, I don't care. Uh, I don't get involved with politics. I don't, I purposely put myself away from it because it's so depressing for me. I have to, for my own health and sake, I have to stay away from all politics. So honestly, most of the time I have no idea what's going on, but I saw this. I was like, I was like, I'm not laughing. Like, it's not a joke. Like, sometimes I laugh. I'm like, oh, that's funny. But the rest, I was like, okay. Like, if you were making, if there were different jokes, would everyone still be laughing? On both sides, like, on every side, on every single side of every single argument, I'm like, just like, oh. Like, I do this. I do, and by the way, for those of you, I, I did the same thing with, what was it, Anthony Jeselnik, whose style is the complete opposite, is purposely offensive. And like, I was like, yeah, it's funny. Your last special was like, it was pretty funny. But some of the time, it's just, it's just like pandering to the crowd. I'm like, that's not funny. Like, even though it's like hyper, like it's the complete opposite. Like where I have two opposite sides of the spectrum. And I was like, the purpose of comedy is to be funny. And that's just one thing that's why this is on my mind. Um, and that's why I was talking about this is surrounding yourself with people who differ in opinion. And I've realized I was taking stock of like my different friendships. And I was thinking about, it. I'm like, yeah, 
my friends actually differ on opinion on like on a, num a number of things. And I'm like, I was happy about that because that means that we can both grow. We can both we can both push each other to grow. And that's the thing is that I've just been really, really focused lately on on um getting outside of my comfort zone. I've just been inside this comfort zone for a little while for the last month. Uh, ever since starting to work with the Therapy Finder, which I announced last week, I think, a couple weeks ago. And I realized I'm really falling into this net, and I hate it. And I need to push myself. I need to surround myself with just, like, something. Something that's, like, offensive or, like, something that just I just need to be pushed. And seeing that and then seeing people fall back into, the, to, into their comfort zone, I realized I don't want to do that. and I, And that's why... I'll purposely I'll listen to things that I don't agree with or I'll I'll you know do all these things I'm like oh I I hate hearing this because like I don't like I think that it's so wrong but I need to hear this I need to hear whatever it is whether it's with business like I do this with business is that salesmen will go and give speeches and I'll just be like oh you're like what you're saying is total bs and like like what are you doing i'm just like this is this is bad information me spreading but like i need to hear this because i need to be aware of what's going on inside my industry i need to push myself to be open to new ideas and sometimes that happens sometimes i mean that's happened a ton like in my friendships like someone will say something like oh that actually makes sense i never saw from that way before and now i'm growing as a person and becoming a better person because i surrounded myself with people who you know disagree and by the way i'm not <laughs> i'm not trying I'm, I'm not trying to brag like i do this all the time too is i want to hear things that i like like of course it's human nature I, of course i love hearing people agree with me i love hearing people talk for 20 minutes in a youtube video about things that i very strongly agree with of course i love that but it's about that thought process again the mindset of wait a minute I need someone to disagree with me right now. And this is what we're talking about in the workplace, how people conform, not even on purpose, like people conform as a way to preserve their job. Like it becomes a very, very negative thing. Um, and one thing, although one thing too, which I wanted to highlight in this, in this, I don't know, is it an article? It's more like a report than anything else, like a article report, a business report. I don't know what, I don't know what the technical word for this is. Um, but it's not just like a random article someone wrote. This is uh, that's why I like Gallup because they're pretty reliable and and strong. Is that one of their bullet points was manage strong personalities when it's talking about when it's talking about promoting discussion. It kind of going off the same thing that the other one was talking about is promoting conversation, promoting discussion among people with differing ideas. Is that you have those strong personalities that tend to overpower people, and I am definitely one of those. Where I'll talk if I think I'm right, I'll I'll speak over someone. I realize I realize that that's a problem with me, and I've been kind of working on correcting it. It's hard when I get heated. I'm just like I'm right. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, that just it's just something that just like so visceral for me to do. Um, and something, thankfully, some of my friends will call me out on and shut me up um, so I can actually listen to someone else. But when you're in that situation, sometimes you're all the strong personality. In that case, you need to be aware of that and shut yourself down or ask someone else to shut you down. Or sometimes you're in a group where maybe you're not and someone else is speaking over you. Sometimes, you know, you can't get your voice out. And in that case, 
In that case, your mission, your mission is to speak up and speak against that person. Especially, it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree with them. It's it's a matter of fact of just having that balance of voices. Because it's in that balance of voices and diverse opinions and groups of thought that we're all able to see other sides of things. Because we've all had one experience, we've all had one life. And so by seeing other people's experience and lives and wealth of knowledge we're able to all grow together as people, which I think we can all agree with, right? We can all we can all get behind this. And finally, the big the big thing that I really wanted to highlight um, today um, is their article about HR. And now, before you click away, before you stop listening, it, the the reason why I'm talking about it is because it was surprising to me. It kind of almost startled me in a way. And the title is HR must champion innovation to drive agility. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, that's not HR, right? And it shows Gallup, they did research that shows fewer than one in three of US employees believe that they're encouraged to come up with new and better ways of doing things. And I wholeheartedly agree with this. Even in a good workplace, when you have someone who's running who tends to be maybe a little bit older, who's very set in their way of doing things, is that sometimes, simply because they're involved in the process, you can't come up with a new, better way of doing it because for them, it'll actually set them back because they have to learn an entire new way of doing things. So unfortunately, in that small situation, things can actually become worse for a while until they become better because of you know getting people on board in that learning process. I've tried this a number of times in the many companies I've worked with, um, sometimes the many clients I've had is that, okay, I have to, I have to give up what I think is what I know is a better way of doing things simply because other people are set in their ways. And it's something I never like doing, but sometimes it's just the price of doing business. You know, <laughs> sometimes I just accept it. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, um, maybe later, maybe some, maybe somewhere else. Um, and the thing I loved about this was it kind of just outlined a very simple guide to getting to rebranding HR almost. And you know, like HR should establish communication channels that allow employees to share information. Then it goes into detail about that. HR should replace training with doing, um, which is something I'm so fond of as someone who, as I've said a million times, does not learn in the classroom, at least not learn well in the classroom. The best classes I've ever taken were all doing. And of course, we had the mandatory testing and all that stuff, which is stupid. But the reason I learned, the reason I remember from those classes is because we did what we were trying to learn. And that was such a great way of actually getting the information into my brain and me remembering it because I have a terrible memory. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really bad, honestly. It's gotten worse with age, I think. And I'm not even that old. But the third thing, so like these different things and these different, um, and I'm going to explain why I'm kind of going through this with you because I'm guessing none of you, I mean, I'm guessing maybe, maybe some of you, maybe some of you work in HR, but I'm guessing the majority of you don't work in HR. Don't worry. We'll get to how this applies to you in a second. Okay. Also, I just thought this was really interesting to think about, um, at first, um, but HR should be a role models of fearlessness. And they were saying innovation. And this is one thing that. I just I resonate I resonated so strongly with this with this report I guess that a report I'm calling it a report not an article article seems too cheap um, this is a valuable report 
And it says, innovation is a trial and error process, but Gallup research shows that only 2 in 10 U.S. employees, 21%, feel their company creates an environment where people can try, fail, and learn from mistakes. And just a little more than 22% feel that in their company, people closest to the action are trusted to make decisions. Um, So in a sense, we all know that we all grow by making mistakes. We can't, if we try something, you know, and this is, I think, honestly, I don't know why this just isn't clearer to, like, most companies is that, like, look at the medical research. Like, look at medical research. How many times, like, how many tests do they do? It's all testing. It's all failing. Like, that's what, that's, that's what research is, especially, like, in the medical field, right? And again, right, I'm not, I'm just, I'm putting it out there. I'm not a medical expert. But from what I know, from logic, you can't, if every single test was successful, we would be an immortal right now. So obviously, it, in a, that's a very clear example of how testing is necessary to create something great. But I, again, I resonate with this, and you probably do too, is that your company probably doesn't create an environment where you feel you can fail and not be punished or have a fear of failure. And sometimes that's just because of, and again, right? I'm saying that it's not just because there's bad people in charge. Sometimes like working at an agency, if you mess up, you're messing, you're not messing up for the, for the company, you're messing up for your client. And all of a sudden your client is now responsible and has, and have that, and you mess up for them. So it's not just like, oh, it's internal, it doesn't matter. It's you're messing up for the people you're working for, and that, that can be where some of the problems lie. And that's partly a good thing. It's partly a good thing to say, look, we don't want to have mistakes with the people that we're working for. But I've been in that situation. I think I told this story in this podcast a while ago about a time I was working with a client, I was, and I ended up taking points on this project at, at Yellow Line where I was working with Steven. I'm not going to say the client name for confidentiality, but it's a pretty big client that we're working with, and I took lead on this pretty small project to get this video made. And I misunderstood what people were saying. I misunderstood the deadline. It ended up being an awful thing where I just really messed up. We barely got it done. We got it done like I was working through the night with the videographer, with the designer to get this thing done. And we literally got it done like the morning of like, you know, like 1, 2 a.m. The morning that it was due because of this, you know, this presentation that they had to use it for. So... I'm very familiar with what it's like to fail very badly with a client. And I think I, and I handled it. I mean, I worked with, you know, people I was like, ah, help me. But I ended up, you know, talking to the client, apologizing, explaining what, why things happened, um, what's being done to correct the situation and why it won't happen again. Um, and that kind of just honesty um, is just so important. And I think if you're trying to cultivate, if you're a manager or if you are trying, or if, maybe if you're not, if you're in a low, low position, is that honestly goes so far. And by you, you're not powerless. Like you're really not powerless in the face of your management. I have found that out. And I think I'm so grateful that I had the experience of public speaking, of being in charge and in, in like guiding people to action that I had that experience when I was working under people. And even now, you know what, with e-therapy, you know, that I have, I mean, I'm, I'm working, you know, I have people that are responsible for me and like, you know, tell me what to do kind of. 
And I'm so grateful that I have that experience to be able to say, no, why don't we do this or that or that? And then, you know, it works its way up the grapevine and whether it happens or not. But I still made that effort to say, look, I'm not powerless because I'm not a manager. I'm not powerless because I have a maybe a low level position like I did at the agency. Because I had a basic sales position, like there was nobody under me. And so even though I had that position, I said, you know, I'm not powerless to make change within this like department, agency, company, like whatever it is. And that's just one thing I re- that's where I'm taking this. And just just so, like what I was saying, I know you're not probably not in HR, but this still applies to you as a person in this world. Is you're never you're never powerless to make change. Sometimes it's very difficult, and sometimes, especially in large organizations where everything is already set, it can be very difficult just because, I mean, just by the nature of change, but doesn't mean you're powerless to make change. doesn't mean you're powerless to make change in your own. I mean, I would do things in my own. Like, I was like, okay, for for myself, I'm like, okay, fine. Everyone else, you know, can't change all of, the whole company can't change, but I can make this change for myself and I can use it. And if they don't like it, then okay, they can tell me not to. But until they do, I'm going to do this because this is better for me. And it's not negatively affecting anyone else. Um, but yeah, the article, it, the, it ends with saying HR should actively coach teams to adapt an innovative mindset. And that's where I kind of want to leave off with this, um, the main thought for this episode. Um, I have a couple like funny things just to leave off, to, to, to send you off with. But really the crux of this, of this report, this hump day business report is communication and conversation. So like with the first one, is great managers lead great conversations. Well, I would say great people lead great conversations. Great humans lead great conversations. Let's think about the conversations you had and how you can make them better on how you can converse with people you've never conversed with and make it a memorable experience. And then, you know, surround yourself. Like, have friends. Your friends should should disagree with you not on everything because that just creates too much tension in the relationship but your friends should disagree with you on some things in order so you can both grow and have i mean it also just makes for interesting conversation to say well i think this way because of this and i think this way because of this and not just yelling at each other that each other's evil and hate people um because that just that that changes your mind right if you just yelled at people and said they're awful right that changes their mind right if you do that you see, I hear the sarcasm dripping from my mouth in the light of all the angry people nowadays. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> this is this is why I don't like politics. It, see, it just makes me angry and then depressed and then sad. So we don't want to do that. But and then the whole mindset of like HR and applying HR to your own professional life, um, and even I mean even your own your own personal life, in in prioritizing innovation and improvement and always thinking about, you know, the relationship with different people and how, and, you know, the meshing of that and just like the the ideals, like what HR should be. I'd encourage you to read this for yourself. I'm going to have all the links at lukedmaxwell.com slash podcast. This is 104 if you're listening in the future. It won't be right up top, but don't worry. It's going to be there for you in the archives. And just a, some 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 silly little stuff to leave you off with. This was trending on LinkedIn and I had to, I had to just at least mention it that I'm so sick of hearing about this. Are millennials in bad shape? Mm. Stop. Like, 
I hate, I don't know why, but the word millennial has almost become like a bad word. I don't know why. Does it, does he, let me know. Like, let me know. Like, tweet at me or leave it in the comment at Luke D. Maxwell, at Luke D. Maxwell on Twitter, or leave it in the comments at, at in the show notes at LukeDMaxwell.com slash podcast. Are you just so sick of hearing the word millennial? Because I am. Because always, it's always negative. <laughs> It's always, whenever you see millennial trending, it's always just so negative. And I'm just like, you know what? I, if you brand yourself, if you, if you tell yourself that, you know, oh, my generation is in such a bad state. It's not my fault. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. That's just an excuse. Like nothing. Your generation is not stopping you from from achieving what you want to achieve. Like, come on. Like I'm, I'm half millennial and half Gen Z. I'm right on that border. I, I'm so I get the worst of both worlds, right? I'm also I'm always playing video games and on my phone and addicted to the and addicted to Instagram. But also I'm part of the generation that loves avocado toast. I bet. Like I don't know. Like none of it is true. It's just so. It's just so dumb. Uh, and finally, though, on a slightly interesting, more interesting note. And maybe something to bring up in conversation as a little fun fact. Um, the best city to make a living is actually San Francisco, according to the annual Dutch Bank analysis. Because um, where you have you'll have the highest salary, like the expenses are high, but it's also the greatest apparent according to them. Honestly, I don't really care that much, so I not I did not look into this very much. I really do not care. Uh, but, but I thought it was like a little tidbit, a little interesting tidbit I could leave you with. Um, it's where the salary has the best ratio to expenses. Um, I guess. Sure. Fun fact. So, Luna, San Francisco. <laughs> no, I, I don't care where you live. I'm just glad that you listened to this episode of the Communicate with Confidence podcast, known for my amazing transitions. Again, you can find the show notes and more at LukeDMaxwell.com slash podcast. You can pick up your free 30-minute coaching session with me, the person who has coached everyone from executives at multi-million dollar companies to the 17-year-old high school student who wants to become a public speaker. So, get cracking at that. I hope to hear from you. Do what you love, and remember to always stay on the positive side of things. 